Welcome to Mom Reel, the podcast about real encouragement, real stories, and real about motherhood. Welcome back to Mom Reel. Thank you guys for coming back for another episode. And I don't know how many of you follow me on Instagram or are friends with me on my personal Facebook page, but um, I made a post about hoping to share um this month is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and I was just really hopeful to share a story um, on pregnancy and infant loss, and one of my dear friends uh, commented and said, you know, there's a really big difference between pregnancy loss and infant loss, and so maybe you can highlight both, and so um, one of my friends, Emily, who we, we could tell how kind of we met, our husbands know each other, and I was at her wedding, and anyway, it's like a whole whole thing there, um, but we are sitting down and talking, and she is being brave enough and vulnerable enough and honoring us uh, with her story today, and so uh, Emily, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. But first, I just want to say thank you for being just open and vulnerable to to tell your story here to all these women that are listening um, and men, if there's men listening as well. Um, but I just think this is such a big topic that needs to be talked about. Um, I also think it's a topic that many people feel so isolated and alone. And so I really I'm so thankful that you're here to also provide hope in the midst of that, um, to provide the realness like mom real, right? But then also um, share the hope and on the other side of that journey as well. So um, Emily, I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself and then we'll hop into it. Yeah, thank you. Um, and thank you so much for allowing me to share my story. It's um when you're walking through the middle of something like this, it doesn't feel like there's anything good that's going to come out of it. And then when you're able to sit here and talk about it years later and see the faithfulness of God through it and see how you came, you know, came out of it on the other side. And hopefully that your story can encourage other people is so incredibly rewarding. So thank you for giving me an opportunity to, um, you know, take my pain and, see it redeemed. Um, but yeah, my name is Emily Alba and, um, my husband's name is Caleb and we have two kids. Um, I have a little daughter who just turned two. Her name is Henley. And then we have a son named Lewis who is four months old. So we did the two under two thing for a little while and is a little crazy. Um, and they are just our joy and, um, they were battles worth fighting for because the journey getting to them um, was difficult and painful and disappointing, um, but absolutely worth it. And so I know that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Um, so yeah, we live in Texas um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I'm a retired professional ballet dancer, and so there's a lot of that that kind of plays into my story, and now I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Loving not on just, not just a stay-at-home That is so true. <laughs> that is so true. I will never say just again to anybody. <laughs> it's a full-time job. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I talked about that on the the podcast I did with my friend who's a stay-at-home mom. I was like, if this is like, it's a full-time job. Like it really is. It, like it, if we're paying other people at daycares to do this job, that means it's, it's a full-time that's job. That's a good point. That is such a good point. Yeah. I like that. I'm, I'm keeping that. There you go. L- little nugget for you. A little nugget. Um, but yeah, I love how you talked about just 
going through the pain to get to where you are. And it sounds like there's been so much purpose that's come out of your pain. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'll just kind of let you start sharing your story, however you want to start. If you want to start from, you know, your dance days, because I know I followed you during all of that transition as well. Um, If you want to kind of start there or wherever you want to start, we're just here to listen. Absolutely. Okay. So if I had like four hours to talk and people actually wanted to listen for four hours, I, you know, I could probably tell the full story in detail. Um, but there's kind of multiple facets to my story. And I know what we're talking about today is, is mostly, you know, pregnancy loss and miscarriage. Um, but to just give a little bit of stuff that happened leading up to that. Um, like I said, I was a professional ballet dancer. And so with that just came years and years and years of, um, very intense training for my body, um, very low body fat, very high stress levels. Um, you know, just the professional athlete realm had my body in a, in a place of fight or flight. And I didn't know that for many years. And so, um, I actually ended up retiring, which sounds strange, um, to say I retired at age 30, but I did retire at age 30 due to, um, I was battling a very severe eating disorder at the time. And, um, and so I went into eating disorder recovery and through that process discovered that I had what's called hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is a very common thing for, um, female athletes or women who either under eat or overexercise and their body is in a place of stress to where their hormones are very imbalanced. And so they're not having their normal cycles. Um, they lose their ability to carry pregnancies, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was diagnosed with hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is called HA. And I went through, um, a whole recovery process of, of that, of just learning to nourish my body, to love my body, to let my body rest and ultimately to let God shift my focus from being a ballerina to wanting to become a mom and seeing that even in my very healthy dancing years, um, cause there were many of them is really the last two years of my career that I got sick. Um, seeing that my body was made to serve an assignment and a purpose from God in that season and that it was shifting from ballet to, I felt called towards motherhood. And that meant that I needed to change how I took care of it. And so there could be a whole nother podcast on that whole recovery journey and the Lord using motherhood to honestly save my life in many ways, the the call to motherhood. Um, but Long story short, I went through all of the recovery thing, um, regained my cycle, was in a really healthy place. And um, my husband and I decided, okay, let's like, we got the sign off from our doctors, from my dietitians, from my therapist. Everyone were like, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's start trying to get pregnant. And so um, we ended up getting pregnant um, in, I want to say it was May of 2020. So yeah the dreaded 2020 year. <laughs> um, we ended already up getting bad enough. <laughs> all, oh my gosh. All, already bad enough. So we, I went into recovery in like early 2019 and I got pregnant in May of 2020. And it was one of those things, Grace Ann, that I was just like looking back at what my body had been through. It felt 
miraculous that it happened. And so, whereas like, it still felt exciting and fragile, like any early pregnancy does, there was this just like confidence in me that like, God did this. This is amazing. We're pregnant. We're going to do it. Like we've come out of the Valley of recovery Um, And even the waiting, because it took us about eight months to get pregnant. You know, it wasn't one of those, like, we started trying and boom, you're pregnant. You know, we had to work for it. It took some time. Um, Well, and don't even include like you all, I would also include the years that you like, once you purposed that you wanted to be a mom of like building your body. So really it was like two years. (laughs) So it was like such a buildup of anticipation. And so for it to finally happen was just like, (gasps) Oh my gosh, like we did it. Okay, we can relax a little bit. And um and so we we found out we were pregnant and I had my first ultrasound at 7 weeks. There was a strong steady heartbeat. My HCG and progesterone were perfect. Like all of my hormone levels, blood work, everything was just pointing towards this pregnancy is going beautifully so far. I was, you know, as as I say beautifully, I was throwing up and now, which, you know, I wasn't throwing up like you were throwing well, up. <laughs> you have a whole nother story, but like, I was about to say you were H A and I was H G. So, you know, we got the, got the H's going on, <laughs> but I felt secure, you know, for the most part. And, um, you know, on went eight weeks, then nine weeks, then 10 weeks. And I, I, um, I went in for, I had my 11 week appointment. And, you know, in my head, I was going, man, I'm just like one to two weeks away from first trimester being over. Like we're almost out of the woods. We're good. And so my husband and I were at this appointment and, um, thank God, you know, with it being 2020 that our doctor allowed my husband to be in there with me. Um, cause I know a lot of doctors limited who was allowed to be in, in, in the office. And, um, so it was the 11 week appointment and he was, tr- the doctor was trying to find the heartbeat and couldn't find it. And he was doing an external, um, ultrasound and, and he was like, oh, you know, it's okay. It's still 11 weeks. It's still small. You know, let's, let's go try, um, you know, a more in-depth ultrasound, like do a transvaginal ultrasound, see if we can catch it there. It's not that uncommon for us to not be able to find it at 11 weeks. And so he went into the other room to set up the other ultrasound machine. And I looked at Caleb, my husband, and I just shook my head and I said, something's not right. And he, Caleb is my optimistic, positive, you know, cheerleader. And he was like, no, we're good. Like, don't, don't freak out yet. It's not time to freak out. And I just had this sinking feeling that something wasn't right. So we went in and he, um, sorry to do the other scans and, um, gosh, I remember it like so, so vividly looking at that picture and going and thinking in my head, this is an 11 week ultrasound and that baby is not big enough. I didn't know what I was looking for, but I knew it wasn't big enough. And I heard um, my doctor who, thank goodness the Lord put me in the most wonderful hands because they were long, long-term family friends. They knew us well. Um, he, he said, um, Emily, I'm so sorry. There's, 
there's no heartbeat. And I just wept. I mean, I've never felt a pain like that. When you're looking at a screen and you see a a picture of what you know is a baby because you've seen a heartbeat there and you even see a placenta, you see it all and there's no movement and there's nothing going on. And you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to get up out of this chair. And so, um, he, he left the room, gave Caleb and I a minute to kind of gather ourselves. And then we talked about what we wanted to do moving forward. Um, and that was my 11 week ultrasound. The baby stopped growing at nine weeks, but I didn't know it. And, um, so that was our first loss. That was, um, July, end of July of 2020. And did y'all find out if it was a boy or a girl or didn't. And that was one thing I wish that we had done. It's funny. Um, Caleb and I had had two names picked mm -hmm. out already. Um, if it had been a girl, her name was going to be Finley. And oh. if it was gonna be a boy, it was going to be Bennett. And so we, to this day, call this baby FB because oh. we don't know if it was Finley or if it was Bennett, but as we've kind of, as we prayed about it and like looked back and everything, we both feel very strongly that it was a boy. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm in the camp that I really believe that one day, um, we will get to hold and raise this child. Um, and so we'll see, <laughs> it'll be yeah. the, the ultimate gender reveal. Um, but, but yeah, so we call that baby FB and that was our, our first loss. Um, we had two, so I don't know if you want me to keep going or if there's yes. anything. Okay. Um, if that, if you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, so that loss absolutely leveled us. And again, there are a million things that, um, many avenues that we could go down talking about this, but one of the big things was just the why, mm -hmm. why I like Lord, we went through hell fighting to get pregnant, to restore my body to like, we, we, we fought and prayed. Oh my gosh, how much we prayed for this child. And it just did not make sense that we would lose it. It just didn't seem in our minds to line up with our theological view of God <laughs> at the, our limited view of God to go, Okay, so you walk us through what we thought was the most painful thing in our life, which was my recovery process and burying a life of ballet and like grieving the death of like that version and that season of my life to finally receiving something, a promise so precious to only take it away in two months. And us not even get a chance to hold that promise earth side. Like, it was the most confusing thing. And you have to remember too, at the same time, it was 2020. So we're isolated. We're, we're isolated from friends, from community, from, you know, church. We're not able to be with family at the time. 
Um, my mom was living in Tulsa with my older sister because my older sister was pregnant and having, she was in a high risk pregnancy situation. And so my mom couldn't leave the bubble, you know, cause at the time we yeah. lived in bubbles, couldn't leave Tulsa to come be with me, like to come, I couldn't have my mom when I grieved that I wasn't going to be a mom. Um, because my mom needed to be with my sister because if she were to go into preterm labor, which was highly likely she would, my mom wouldn't be able to be there to help because of all of the COVID restrictions. Um, and so there was this, it felt very isolating. It felt incredibly painful, incredibly confusion. They're confusing. There was this conflict of what I need the most right now is God to help me grieve and to give me hope, but also the person or the entity that I want nothing to do with right now is God. Mm -hmm. And so there was that deep conflict in me of going, I know I need you, but also please don't come near me because I feel like if anyone had the power to fix this, it was you and you didn't. So I need my space. Yeah. You know, like I, I really got into just a really hurt, disappointed mindset because in the, in that time as well, I, I mentioned my older sister was like seven or eight months pregnant. We found out about three weeks after our loss that my younger sister was expecting as well as my sister-in-law was expecting and my best friend. And they were all due within a month of when we were supposed to be, you know, due with with FB. And so I was just mad. I was mad because I'm going, why does this work for them and not for me? Um, my sister who gave, you know, who had the high risk pregnancy, she ended up having her baby and he, um, he's a miracle. He went into a pulmonary hypertension and we nearly lost him. Um, he's okay now. But it was, um, I remember having the thoughts and talking to my husband and saying, why was our nephew saved, but not our baby? Mm. Like, not that I didn't want him to, but just you know, these yeah. questions of God's sovereignty going, mm. I just, I, I don't get it. What, what did we do to, you know, you start going down the path of, did I do something to deserve this? Am I being punished for my eating disorder? Am I, you know, all these things. and. Um, you know, went into counseling, uh, therapy, all the things. Um, and in the middle of that, you know, we're still in the, in the pandemic. I ended up losing like two weeks after the loss. Um, we ended up losing two, two of my grandparents to COVID within 24 hours of each other. One, uh, my grandmother died and the next day, her husband, my grandfather died. So we were burying, you know, our baby than two grandparents. And I mean, it was just one thing after another. And so, um, we somehow, and we can talk about it more as, you know, we get further down in my story, but we, we came up out of that Valley and we were able to start trying again about two months after the loss. And, um, we were in, this was now October. So we had that first loss in July and it was October and we were at a wedding in Florida. And I 
started what I thought was my period the night before we came home. And I was actually very disappointed because I was like, man, I was really hoping that maybe we'd be pregnant this cycle. And um, I started what I thought was my period. We came home the next day. We flew home. And about three hours after flying, uh, getting in from from Florida, I was in my kitchen um, cooking and um, I started bleeding very, very heavily um, to the point that I ended up passing out in our bathroom. And, um, my husband, I woke up from passing out to my husband on the phone with 911 and he was like holding me up. Um, I was on the toilet, or it's TMI, but he was holding me up. He had, it's fine. Had, this is mom real. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> he had me in one hand and the phone in the other. And all I, I remember him saying, I don't know. She just, she just woke up. She just woke up and he got me to the floor and I'm just bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. And, um, the paramedics come in and I remember them asking me, they're like, ma'am, could you be pregnant? And I said, no, like I, I started my period yesterday. There's no way, like I'm not pregnant. And I had a miscarriage two two months ago. So in my head, I'm going, maybe this is a complication from I have a DNC. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe something got nicked or something's wrong. You know, like I didn't know, but the thought of being pregnant, like absolutely did not cross my mind. Um, so they ended up taking me via ambulance to, um, the hospital and the emergency room. And, um, it ended up that my, my hormone levels, my blood work indicated that I was indeed pregnant and I didn't know it. And so what I thought was a period starting the day before was actually, um, a miscarriage starting. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that one was actually what we, what is called a chemical pregnancy. And so that's where it happens so early that there's not actually like a, a baby or a fetus yet. It's like your body like creates a sac and everything, like there is an embryo, but it, it happens so early that it's more, it's called a chemical pregnancy. Think, like um, within the first five weeks, right? Is yeah. Yep. Exactly. Happen? Exactly. And so your HCG is still going up. Your progesterone may still be going up, but it's like your body is reading that it's pregnant, but it didn't progress far enough to stick or to even try to stick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that one was incredibly draining because I ended up, um, bleeding for like a whole nother month, um, before they did another ultrasound and saw that my body was holding on to tissue. And so I had to go in for another DNC, um, to get everything cleared out, hoping that, I could get back to normal and we could try again. And, um, so yeah, that ended up, I had that, um, chemical pregnancy in October and had the DNC in November and we were just in a place of, I mean, I could, I'm about to start crying. Just thinking about, we were just going, what in the world? Yeah especially because my OB-GYN was like, nothing is showing up as red flags. These are two completely different types of miscarriage. Um, my dietician was looking at everything and she was like, this is nothing to do with you. you. This wasn't your body. This wasn't your eating disorder. This was just, it just happened. 
And I am a, I am a why person. I am a, give me a reason why, so I can fix it. Yes. Tell me, you know, get, take all my blood and figure out what's going on with me. Do all the scans, figure it out. And there was, there was no explanation for either of these losses. And, um, so yeah, we ended up having two losses back to back and, um, then in God's goodness, we ended up recovering and getting pregnant with Henley, um, my daughter in December and she fought and she stayed. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I want to get into more of what kind of brought y'all to the decision to even try again after yeah. those two, because yeah. I, I feel like, and I'm not going to share other women's stories that I've heard without their permission, but I can say from a lot of my friends who have gone through miscarriage, it's been one of the hardest things that they've chosen to mm -hmm. try again. Oh um, yeah. I mean, I can't, you know, it, it just, again, I'm like trying not to share their stories or their things, obviously not naming people, but it's just like walking through that, even just as a friend, like that's, that was one of the hardest decisions that they made was to start trying again. Cause then it's like, what if it happens again? And then it happened to oh, you yeah. again. And then it's like, well, what if, and what if, and what if, and you start playing that game. Um, so I'd love to hear from you kind of yeah. more about that. There's um, no guarantees, especially after like, after you have one loss, you don't feel safe yeah. again, you know, and, and you do like, you increasingly start to feel more safe as if you have a pregnancy that starts to go well and stays. But, um, the thing that honestly gave us hope to try again, <sighs> I felt so deeply and so strongly that I, that we were called to have a family and that we had, um, a legacy that we were fighting for. And, um, Believe me, every, both times we had a miscarriage for about a week, it was, I'm not doing this again. Absolutely not. We're, we are not doing this again. I'm not going through this pain again because it is a grief that cannot be explained and can't be fixed. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it is something. And that's what I would say to, to people too. If, if you know someone who is going through a loss, um, it's not something that you can fix for them. The thing that I found helped us the most was just prayer and also people who were willing to just be there. Mm. People who sent meals, people who said, can I come clean your house? Can I come take your dog on a walk for you? Can I bring you groceries? Can, you know, people who just loved on us because you have to remember that going through a miscarriage is not just going through something like your body is physically going through something. Um, you know, some women end up having to have DNCs, but some women bleed for, you know, a couple days or a couple weeks. Um, but you're also dealing with, if you've been postpartum before, you know, that your hormones just like level out and go crazy. Well, it's the same thing as when you have a miscarriage, your body was pregnant. Now it's not. And so you're dealing with your physical body, um, recovering as well as your hormones are going crazy. And then you're emotionally drained. And so just having someone help, like having people show up and just help take care of your basic needs mm -hmm. 
just like you do when someone has a baby postpartum, you go, Hey, can I come clean your house? Can I do your laundry? Can I bring you food? Can I door dash you coffee? You know, like having people just love on us meant the world. Um, and of course, you know, it's always great to hear people say, you know, we're thinking about you. We love you, blah, blah, blah. But there's also a lot of things that people say that they just shouldn't say like, oh, at least it was early or, oh, there's another one coming or thing, those things while so well-intended and well-meaning, it's just not the time and place for that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and people, people who haven't been through it, they just don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, they just don't know. And so I, I digress, but I'm just, so if you know someone who is going through it, be there for them, sit with them, love them, bring them coffee, bring them a sonic, you know, text them that you love them, that you're praying for them. Um, but sometimes the well-meaning platitudes can be hurtful almost. And at least they were for me. Um, but back to your original question, what helped us <laughs> decide to keep going, um, was honestly the call of God to be parents. Mm. And as, as strange as this sounds, there was something in the sovereignty of God that we had to rest in knowing that the timeline of our family was in his hands. And so I look at Henley and I look at Lewis, our two kids now, and I go, I can't fathom a world where they're not here. Yeah. And what's complex about that is if our other two pregnancies had stuck, Lewis and Henley would not exist because our family would be on a completely different mm -hmm. um, trajectory. Um, I look back to, I didn't know this until we went through our, our situation. My father, um, his mother was pregnant before he ha she had him and that pregnancy ended in stillbirth. So if she, if she hadn't have lost that baby, my father wouldn't exist. And if he wouldn't have existed, I wouldn't have existed, existed, which means my kids, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And we could think about that complex situation forever, but there was something in me that knew there, when we were going through our losses at the time, that there were future Albas, there were future babies that needed to be fought for. Yeah. That there were callings on their life and that God had specific plans for them that I felt I needed to be strong and not give up. I'm like crying. <laughs> no. And, and like one of the most powerful things that was told to me, I was at a coffee shop um, and I was pregnant with Henley and someone stopped me who I didn't, I didn't even know her. And she was like, can I tell you something? And I was like, yeah, of course she goes, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but like, I feel like the Lord has a word for you. She said, have you, is this your first pregnancy? And I said, no, this is actually my third. <laughs> I was pregnant with Henley. I said, no, this is my third. And she said, um, well, I just see a cord of three strands. And I feel like the two babies that you lost have a purpose in heaven and that they are co-laboring with your daughter 
and that a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken and that they need to be with the father interceding on behalf of the children that are coming from you. And I was just like, did you start bawling then and there? Because oh, I, I would have I lost it. And then it hit me. I was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, so and this is getting theologically out there. And I, I, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but okay. So there are angels in heaven, right? But there's also people who lived on this earth yeah, who are in heaven that are worshipers that are interceding before the father that have assignments in heaven. And so what if the Lord had two specific assignments in heaven and he went, but I need a womb for these two lives to be created to on earth, they're not going to get to stay, but they need to have an origin on earth, but I'm going to bring them up to me as fast as I can, because I have something for them to do here. Wow. And that gave me hope. And that's hope that I want to give to other mothers who have carried babies, whether it's for four weeks or seven weeks or 12 weeks or end up, you know, having a stillbirth or something. It's like, imagine the thought that the Lord so, so wanted a soul and a, a person in heaven to do something, to be a worshiper, to have an assignment in heaven that he needed a womb for that life to be formed in. And he chose you. Wow knowing that you would go through the grief of losing it. But he found you called and chosen and strong enough that your womb is not desolate, but your womb is actually anointed for a purpose such as that. Wow. Well, y'all, this episode has been so heavy and so full of goodness and hope and just all the things that we are going to be splitting this into two uh, episodes. And so we are ending it here for this episode. But uh, if you go take a look, we do have part two already out. Um, wanted to launch them together, but just in case you only had the 30 and 35 minute time frame uh, for your day, we didn't want to leave you uh, just in the depth of the heaviness. We wanted to make sure you got to the hope part as well. So this will be part one and we have part two coming for you shortly where you will hear the rest of Emily's story. Um, she's going to be sharing also just a a, a word of hope and encouragement and just practical things as well. Um, so please stay with us, listen to that um, one here shortly. And thanks for being here.